Like that sometimes I feel like it would be easier if I could just show a broken bone to say, look what my dad did to me. Hello listeners, welcome to this episode of The Blue Radio. Today we will be hearing Ethan's story. Ethan's story involves descriptions of emotional abuse. So if this is uh, triggering or upsetting for you, please listen with a trusted friend or professional. Ethan's story and the likes of his story is a story that we've heard. Emotional abuse is quite prevalent and unfortunately, as a result of this, quite normalized. But it's very serious, so we need to talk about it. In his story, Ethan uses some terms that I'd like to give you a definition of before we start listening to his story. Gaslighting, uh, that is by definition, manipulating a person into questioning their own sanity, is a technique used by emotional abusers and specifically by narcissistic people who uh, initiate emotional abuse. Gaslighting uh, takes the form of telling you that you don't remember an event quite well and you're mistaken and you're being too sensitive. So uh, if you tell the person, if you confront the person who has hurt you uh, with uh, like telling them that this action that you did made me sad, they will tell you that, well, this is not what I meant and uh, you're not remembering correctly, you're being too sensitive, you're always like this, all of your friends say that you're very sensitive, to the point that you start questioning your sanity, you start questioning your perception. And this can be very dangerous because as a result of gaslighting, some victims completely let go of their perception of reality because they think that it's wrong. Another term that Ethan uses is dog whistling. Dog whistle politics is, well, a political term that uh, by definition is a coded message that it might seem very regular, but the party that it's aimed at will perceive the real message. The root of this term is that a dog whistle cannot be heard by humans, but it can be heard by dogs and translating it into human, into abusive situation, it's like an inside joke, but it's not funny, it's hurtful. An example of this could be a person who has left their studies to pursue a job, but uh, when they come to family gathering, their parent that knows that this decision has been difficult for them keeps talking about how good it is to complete your studies, to pursue graduate studies, a PhD, and keeps complimenting people who have done so. Now to the other audience that don't know about the decision of this person uh, to leave their studies, they think that this is just regular words. This is just promoting uh, pursuing higher education. But the person, the, the victim actually Uh, is triggered. And if they uh, stand up and say that what you tell an abuser that what you're saying is hurtful, uh, other people will question their action because this is not hurtful. This is just supporting higher education. For more information about these two terms, please look at the resources that I provided in the description of this podcast. With that said, 
let's listen to Ethan's story. Essentially, it boils down to um, my dad and toxic masculinity and religion and um, trying to control me. He essentially, my dad essentially just wanted to control my life to fit his view of life. And that's where most of the abuse stems from. Uh, It's more complex than that. It may sound, oh, like that's pretty, you know, standard for a parent. No. It, it boils down to he essentially used gaslighting, dog whistling, uh, emotional manipulation, um, down to just being overtly critical. And yeah, it, it, it just, it was terrible. Like it, it really, really was awful. And I don't wish it on anyone. Um, it's a very hard thing for me to talk about. Um, And not only did he abuse me, he abused my mother, myself, and my sister. And the abuse is still going. So um, I've learned to deal with it now. Uh, It's not something that it just goes away. He's still in my life to this day. Um, I've just learned how to put the wall up so that he can't abuse me because I've moved away. But I'll just give you you guys... I want to tell you my story, and I think this might help a lot of people. Like, I separate my life into two different periods, like three different periods, maybe four. I'd say early childhood would be up from the from my birth up until about seven years old. Seven years old is when my parents actually started going through a divorce, so that's kind of why I mark that seven years old period, and that's also when my sister was born. Um, and then I have from the time I was seven up until... So seven, so for the first grade up until the eighth grade, so your primary school years, elementary school years, um, that would be a separate section, section. And then my high school experience is a separate section. And then now my university as, and my adult life is a separate section. So in each chapter, it pr- essentially progresses. Ethan starts by talking about his early years, impacted a lot by the conflict between his parents. Um, a lot of the abuse was my dad abusing my mom, uh, emotionally abusing. Um, he used a lot of tactics like gaslighting and um, and uh, dog whistling. He essentially tried to convince everyone that my mother was crazy um, by making himself seem like the victim constantly and that my mom was abusing him. And in reality, it was the other way around. My dad was a lazy ass who essentially would sit on the couch and do nothing. And then my mom would do all the work. She outworked him, made more money than him. She was the breadwinner. She did everything. She took care of everything in the house. And my dad essentially was there along for the ride. Um, and my mom would constantly ask him to do stuff around the house. And then my, my dad wouldn't do them. And my mom would freak out on him. Because once, twice, three times, if you keep asking your husband to do something and then he doesn't do it, like, yeah, obviously you're going to get angry. So... And then my, my dad would start to do it on purpose. And he would constantly make comments in front of my mom to piss her off and to try and get her to be angry. And then he would come to me, his child, his son, and try and make me think that my mother was crazy. That's called 
uh, emotional abuse um, of a spouse. That's spousal abuse. Um, you should not be trying. So he essentially tried to turn my, him, me against my mom. However, my dad was always working and my mom worked from home. So my mom pretty much essentially took care of me. So my mom essentially was able to shield me a little bit from him. So I started from a young age defending myself against him. And I would consistently, um, consistently repel anything that he said to me. And that started the abuse late. That's a key point for the abuse later. So my mom essentially took care of me and raised me. But my dad had these separate ideals for me. And then a lot of that conflicted with my mom and dad. My mom didn't want to raise me with the gender, like the gender norms. And my dad did. He wanted to raise his patriarchal son that is going to be a toxic masculine that, Im- that imposes rape culture. Anyways, he was that, ty- that type of dad. Um, my mom didn't want that. She wanted me to be a good guy and a man that she thinks that any woman would have wanted. And she did raise that. So, um, yeah, essentially that boils down to my dad. My dad then had a lot of problems there. So that's a lot of where the abuse lied to. A lot of fighting about that um, in raising me. My mom raised me a certain way and it held. My dad didn't because I saw my dad and I saw him from a young age as a lazy asshole um, because he would just not do anything. My mom was constantly doing everything. She would cook for me. She would clean. She would... Su- I, there was, I have memories of my dad not even going outside to shovel the snow, my mom getting pissed off and going to do it herself. Like, there are so many occasions where I saw my dad doing nothing. And he never really did anything for me. My, my, mom, always had to, my mom always had to get into an argument with him for him to get to do anything. So everything that... My, he, everything had to be a fight for him to do something. He was consistently late and he, then he would consistently gaslight us all. And then whenever we would get angry, he would gaslight us all and play the victim. And it makes you go insane. It literally makes you go insane. Like there's literally occasions where he would come home, forget that he lost his credit card, and then he accused us of stealing it. His one-year-old daughter and his eight-year-old son and his tired-ass wife... He accused us all of stealing his credit card. Like, this is where the abuse really stemmed from. It was just consistent victim playing. Consistent. He made us question ourselves, and now, and that's kind of where it leads to in, you know, through the first through eighth grade, a lot of it was, like, I was dealing through the divorce, because that's when they were getting divorced. So I had a lot of court fights. Um, Children's Aid was involved. That was a problem. In itself, that's caused trauma. And then in my high school life, my dad was finally out of the house and my mom was raising us. After Ethan's parents got divorced and Ethan's dad moved out, the abuse still persisted. My mom won full custody in the divorce um, because my mom finally was just had enough with the abuse. So she just left him, um, kicked her, kicked him out, which thank God for her because she saved our lives. Um... Thankfully, the courts agreed, and um, my mom got full custody. My dad got visitation, but very like the original custody agreement was not very nice to him, but rightfully so. Um, clearly, the court saw something that we didn't even see. But yeah, so essentially, my mom ended up getting a little bit more lenient to him, and my high school essentially was like stemmed with like I would go to see him every other weekend um 
So abuse every other weekend, essentially, for about five years. Ethan gave me some insight about how it is like to experience emotional abuse. I think it's very important that we all listen to his explanations very carefully. It was just a consistent cycle. I would go home for two weeks. I'd be, I'd finally feel better. And then I'd go to my dad's. The abuse would continue. I'd go home, have to recover, finally feel better, then, reco- then go through the abuse again, again. And that's what emotional abuse is. It's cyclical. It's consistent. It's always on time. It always has a pattern. It's all about patterns with him, my dad. Um, and that's what abusers do. They have patterns. One minute, they're completely fine and loving you. And the next minute, they're telling you that you're a disappointment um, and that you can't do anything right. So that's not parenting, That is abuse. You shouldn't have to go through that with your parents. Your parents should just support you. There's a difference between there's a difference between advice and there's a difference between co- uh, constructive criticism and then there's destructive criticism. My dad to- chose to use destructive criticism, but to him, he thinks he's helping me and trying to make me better and save me from a life of trouble. But no, he made my life misery. Ethan struggled with learning about his sexuality and experiencing it, and he believes this stemmed from the abuse he experienced. Because of him, um, I couldn't I couldn't figure out who I was because I couldn't figure out why um, I am the way I am. Because, yeah, like he, as a kid, I always wanted to be around girls. I loved girls. Like I would cuddle with them. I'd kiss them. And like I was just a conspiracy. The boys did not interest me. I had zero care for the boys. Girls, I couldn't get enough of them. My dad had a problem with that. He consistently tried to expunge it out of me. Anything feminine that I liked, he would try and squeeze it out of me, which made me start questioning my sexuality because I couldn't figure out why I felt the way I felt. And then I started looking at boys and I was like, oh, well, they're kind of cute. And then I was looking at girls, but I'm like, girls are so awesome. Anyways, I landed on bisexuality, and that's kind of, I think, because my mom saved me. I don't know. I have my own theories about sexuality. I'm not going to get into that. Um, it stems from the abuse, but it really is that just, I stemmed, I am bisexual now. I'm with a wonderful girl. I love her very much. Um, I had my own process. It, yeah, it really impacted me. So... Essentially, my dad, because of the emotional abuse that I was going through, I started questioning my own sexuality at a very young age, um, which when I hit puberty at a really young age, I started doing things that probably I shouldn't have been doing. Um, I made a lot of really bad decisions in high school. Um, I went online and had sex, tried to have sex with older men because I had severe daddy issues, um, and I succeeded. Um So yeah, it was, I definitely have a lot of trauma uh, when, it came, when it comes to my parental abuse with my dad. Ethan thinks that his dad's behavior led him to become very anxious about making decisions and not trusting himself while making those. It also led to some other problems that we'll hear from him. It really comes down to the end of high school when I decided to leave. Um, I decided to leave and get away and move to a school that was far away um, because of everything that I was going through. Um, and my dad didn't like that. And we got into a huge argument. 
a huge, huge argument, which ended in me not talking to him for a few months. Um, and I got away from him. I lost a lot of weight. I was flourishing in school um, because I didn't have the abuse. My school life was impacted severely when I, when I went to university because of the abuse. Uh, he consistently made me think that I was going to fail. Um, he literally told me, yeah, you're going to university, but I don't think you're going to do well. And then in the same breath, he says, oh, I'm so proud of you. You did so well. But I think you're going to fail. And it's subtle. Like, it's not in those words. He says it in a subtle way where he could get away with me. Like, he, that's the part of the abuse is he's so clever about how he words things so that when you do get angry, he can just say, well, what are you getting angry about? I'm just telling, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help you. Like, that's where it came from. It's just, it's like, it's a, it's like a compliment laced with a lot. It's like a compliment mixed with criticism. There's never a compliment that doesn't have something negative attached to it. And that caused me to have major anxiety because I started thinking in my own head, his voice would come in my head and I would start to think, well, I would start to question every decision that I made. And every decision that I made, his voice would come into my head. That's not normal. So this all stemmed into my adult life. And I had major problems in high school. I still did well in high school. Don't get me wrong. I flourished in high school. Um, but high school wasn't a challenge for me. I got to university, though, and I, had tr- and I had problems. Because now every failure that I have makes me think that my dad's just going to... I'm going to prove my dad right. And you'd think that that would be able to motivate me. But no, like it, it was literally like my head... I realized that I had... I found out that I had an anxiety disorder because of the abuse. I went through a major depression in university um, that led to some very questionable tactics of coping mechanisms, including smoking, which, and alcohol abuse. Let's hear about Ethan's journey to healing. There's a difference between physical and emotional abuse. It comes from the same place, but emotional, it leaves that scar, but that scar never goes away. And if that person is still in your life, that wound is always open. Like, it's, a, it's an open wound. Like it, and then every time he says the, like anything, the wound just grows. So then you can try and heal it, but it always is open. It's always an open wound because you'll never be able to forget what he... But there's no... It's like you have no proof other than your emotions. Like, sometimes I feel like it would be easier if I could just show a broken bone to say, look what my dad did to me. But I don't have that because my brain is a muscle. Yeah, you can see it because I have anxiety and depression, but nobody really believes that stuff. You know, there's still so much stigma against it. So when, even when I tried to get help, he tried to get me to stop. Like, when I said I was going to go to anti-anxiety meds, he says they're going to ruin your life. Like... This is how bad the abuse is. Like, you don't understand how bad emotional abuse is until you go through it. And this is why I'm sharing this story is because it really is traumatizing. It, it caused me so much pain and suffering and it caused me to go through one of the worst depressions ever. Um, I, use, I was just, I used so many coping strategies that just weren't good for me. Like, 
They solely, even after I left the abuse, he still managed to continue it through the phone. Like it's in this day and age, you can get away and move out, even not living with him. He still managed to traumatize me, like traumatize me because he's my dad. Like he's supposed to love me. He's supposed to love me unconditionally, but somehow everything I do is problematic which impacted me in so many different ways because it's like, now I question, and to this day, I still question every decision that I make because I can't even trust myself anymore. He, he as a kid, I was so confident in myself and he managed to, and I would always, I would make decisions and it would always go well and I would always do well, but he made me feel like I couldn't do anything right because that's part of the emotion. No abuse. And then when you prove him right, it just makes it even that much worse. It's just this constant cycle. And healing for me was getting on to, well, A, leaving. Leaving was help, helpful. Um, learning coping different coping strategies. My girlfriend really helped me with that. Um, I managed to go on anti-anxiety meds, which really helped me. Um, because then that's how I started realizing all this stuff is because the anti-anxiety meds were able, allowed me to focus more clearly on my thoughts without that weighing feeling on my chest all the time. Um, my head would consistently spin. I couldn't have any moments of thought without consistent criticism. Now, Ethan will share his advice for survivors. Really, if you can just try and get away, um, try and not get angry. That's my biggest advice and I know that seems ridiculous but you need to be able to separate your emotions from what's happening and that's how I managed to cope through this is I sat and I talked about it and I and I wrote it down and I even made audio recordings I smoked weed to try and calm my anxiety because it helped me um I used anti-anxiety meds I got help and I'm gonna go to therapy like it has impacted me, but it's made me stronger. So I don't like to think that I'm a victim. I don't like to think that I think I'm a survivor. I think I got through something that most people go through and don't get through. I think Ethan's story and the explanations he gave about it can help us start understanding the serious and prevalent issue of emotional abuse that is unfortunately trivialized. As he said himself, many go through emotional abuse, but they don't get through it. And the negative effects impact them for life. Ethan himself is very serious about understanding emotional abuse and stepping into the journey of healing. He asked me to provide his Twitter handle for those who want to reach out and talk to a friend about uh, this experience. So I have provided his Twitter handle in the description section. With that, I will end this episode. Thank you for listening.